Welcome to Kingstar Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe God's word will impact your everyday life. Heavenly Father, tonight we are grateful for life. We are grateful for Jesus. We are grateful for your Holy Spirit. We are grateful that you have counted us worthy and brought us here. We are grateful that, oh God, yet again you open of the bounties of heaven and lavish them in our midst and in our hearts. Now, Lord, we pray that you quicken our hearts, quicken our ears, quicken our tongue, that the life of God may flow therein. Lord, take that which is earthly and clothe it with that which is heavenly. My God, that tonight the glory and the honor will be given unto you. We honor you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And somebody say, Amen. Amen. Let's give God a mighty hand of praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. You may kindly take your seats. Thank you so much. The Lord richly bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Always a joy to be with you here in Tanzania. And uh, this week has been extra special as uh, we've been digging in in prayer. And uh, God has been releasing a beautiful, beautiful thing in our midst. It is wonderful. Amen. It is wonderful. It is glorious. It is beautiful in our sight. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for the two days that we've been in uh, Sinza. It's, uh, I, I asked Pastor Dennis what Sinza means, and he couldn't quite tell me, but in Uganda, the word Sinza means to worship. So, uh, yeah, we, you'll find that song, I mean that word in many songs. Uh, so, uh, it's not the place that you know. Uh, when you hear that word in worship, it is referring to worship, to worship God. So we thank God for the time of worship that we've had and for his presence. We are in the book of Luke, chapter 18 is where we are tonight. I bring you greetings again from Kampala and uh, we thank God for the good work that he's doing here. We're in Luke Chapter 18, I believe, we're beginning to read from verse 1. The Bible declares, One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was, there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God nor care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. Tell your neighbor, driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out. Say to your neighbor, wearing me out with her constant requests. Then Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Let us flip on to chapter 22 in the book of Luke. We're going to go farther down. Chapter 22, we'll read from verse 
Luke 22 and 39, the Bible declares, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you may not give in to temptation. He walked away and about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? he asked. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. The story of Jesus in the Mount of Olives is, a, is one of passion, is one of tears, is one of blood. Is one where the church was being born. The destiny of humanity was in the balance and Jesus had the mandate that needed to be fulfilled. Yet at the same time, he needed the grace and the strength of God to fulfill that mandate. We see and learn how to pray. We see and learn from the examples of Jesus, how to press in in prayer. And tonight, that's what we want to talk about prayer. We want to talk about pressing in in prayer. Tell your neighbor, press in prayer. There are times you pray, you're not uh, required to go beyond the call of duty. There are times you pray and move on and go on. The times you pray quickly, and uh, you, uh, you, you understand that you've got to bid the jam and get out before the traffic closes in. So you pray quickly and say, minus devil plus Jesus, amen. Here you go. You bless the Lord quickly and you pray and say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and uh, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen. There are times you pray without needing to really press in. The things you're praying about are not urgent. The things you're praying about can wait. And uh, even if they're not done, nothing is really at stake. You can pray today and pray tomorrow and pray whenever. But then there are times when you must pray desperately. You must pray thoroughly. You must pray like a dying man, you must pray like a dying woman because there's so much at stake. Those are the times you must press in, in prayer. The times when prayer is easy, prayer is sweet, prayer is uh, nice. Everyone that uh, needs to be with you is with you right on time. And even before you begin to pray, God gives you the testimonies. And he begins to answer your prayers and you begin to see his hand. At the beginning, we've all been there. Before you even begin to pray, the phone is ringing and uh, the job is yours. But then there are times when it's not that smooth, it's not that quick. You need to press in. There are times when God answers so quick, you are really excited about being in the kingdom of God. Because things are happening quickly. They are happening suddenly. You are not quite yet there but God is moving mountains and is, is doing his thing way quicker 
than you had imagined. Those are good times. But then there are times when you must press in. That's where this woman finds herself. The Bible says she kept asking for justice, but she did not get any. She went to the right places, the right people. They did not answer her. She lined up. She queued up. She filled in the form. She did not get a reply. She did the survey. She answered all the questions. No one responded to her. She was at the back of the queue, the the back of the back. No one noticed her. The judge so much even went ahead to, to ignore her. Whenever her case was brought to him, he thought and figured, let's just ignore her. This woman needed the kind of prayer that presses in, the pressing prayer. She needed a prayer that was going to go beyond the call of duty, that was going to go beyond the norm. She needed a prayer that was going to go beyond the average. You know, they're average prayers, just like they're average people, and there's average giving. And then there's beyond average prayer, like there's beyond average people, and there's beyond average giving. Because the situation requires more than what meets the eye. It requires more than average. That's where Jesus found himself as well. When he needed to receive the grace and the strength of God, Just before he was to embrace the cross, the Bible says he embraced the cross, but just before he was to embrace the cross, he needed to press in in prayer so he can find strength to do that one act that could never be done again. Something that had been prepared from the foundations of the earth. From the time the earth had been created, this day had been predestined. All of scripture was looking to this day. All the prophecies was looking to this day. The future depended on this day. And even the past revolved around this day. So in that day, Jesus needed to press in. He took his disciples to that mountain of olives to press in. You know, when we pray, certain things stop us from pressing in. Certain things hold us from getting beyond the norm. Certain things try to delay us. Certain things try to postpone what we have to do. And as people that must press in, we must overcome those distractions that try to keep us away. You know, the devil is not going to roll out a red carpet for you when you say you're going to pray. Hell is not going to announce that it is a a holiday season. They should leave you alone. Hello, somebody. Just because you are pressing into God for that breakthrough doesn't mean the devil will roll over and say, hey, there's nothing I can do. Let me get out of his way. Let me just get out of her way because she's, she's determined. No, on the contrary, every time God is doing something glorious, the devil will fight his most. The night is darkest just before the dawn. The situation is hardest just before the breakthrough. And the distractions are many just before we get to that level that God has predestined for us. As a matter of fact, many times people are frustrated because when great things are about to approach, those are the most difficult times. Ask Moses. Just when he was born, that's when all the firstborns were, were, were killed. Ask Jesus. Just as he was born, that's when every firstborn was in trouble. So just... Understand that the enemy will always bring distractions and and issues to try to slow you down and keep you away from what God has for you. It It is the nature of things. Every time you find yourself smooth sailing, chances are that you're on the same side with your enemy. That's why he leaves you alone. 
And every time you find he's fighting you hard, it is evidence that you are doing the right thing and you're doing something that he does not like. So there will be challenges. Some of the challenges that we must understand will come to challenge us and to keep us away from what God has for us. Challenges like problems, those are challenges. Challenges like uh, the waves, those are challenges. Those are issues that will try to distract you so that instead of praying and pressing in, you're concerned with the challenges. You're solving problems, especially some of you are at that age where you're problem solvers. Every time you're about to pray, the list of problems comes through on WhatsApp. And everyone is expecting you to sort them out. And just when you're starting the fast, that's when everyone has problems lined up for you. Problems at the schools, problems in the community, problems at the office, problems even in the village. You have never heard from the people in Tanga. But the moment you start the fast, then all the problems of Tanga line up for you. Because the enemy will always bring distractions to keep you from prayer. You can look at Mark 4 and 19. You'll see a beautiful one there. And at 1 Peter 5 and 7. These challenges, these issues come to keep you from the things of God. The cares of this world, the Bible talks about them in Mark 4. The cares of this world come to chalk the seed, the challenges, the problems. Try to come and keep you from prayer. Uh, when you declare fast, that's when the landlord triples the rent. When you declare fast, that is when the uh, neighbors remember that your, your guts ate his, his tomatoes. When you declare fast, that's when the wife remembers that you still haven't paid the rest of your uh, dowry. What, what, what is that thing we call it? Yeah. That's when they remember that your Kishukamchumba was not at the level it was supposed to be at. Because challenges, obstacles, cares come. That's why Jesus says, as you'll see in First Peter, cast your cares unto God so he can care for you. So that these cares and the issues of the world don't take your attention away from pressing in in prayer. You see, if the devil has to do everything possible to keep you from meeting with God, he will do it. Huh? Another distraction is leisures and pleasures. This one we know. As uh, this generation, we know that pleasures and leisures come to keep us away from praying. Yeah, your TV is fully paid for and the football season is on. So all weekends are soccer weekends. And it gives you a lot of pleasures and leisures. It leaves you alone so you can have a pleasurable time and forget how to pray and forget to pray. The pleasures of this world, they always tempt you. And that's what you see in James 5 and 5. You can also see that in Titus 3 and 3. The pleasures of this world. Now in 2 Timothy 3 and 4, you know what that one says. He says, in the last days, men shall be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will be so excited about having a good time and pleasures and at the beach and, and the lights and the, and the dance and the music and the food. Just having a good time more than lovers of God. That is a sign of the end time. And that is very clear that those pleasures will come. The devil will allow them to keep you from praying. You see, if your destiny is going to be released in prayer and you're going to pray and break through, the devil will give you enough pleasures to mute you. Pleasures inoculate you. Pleasures keep you, uh, keep you calm. 
The devil doesn't want you uh, in, enraged. So he keeps you calm with pleasures, gives you all the pleasures that you need. Have you ever wondered why that brother, before he had a car, he was always the first in charge? Now that he's got one, that beautiful, beautiful VX, he's, he sometimes he doesn't show. When you ask him where were you at the weekend, he's, he's all over the country with his lovely family, having a good time. He's a family man. He's forgot how to pray because life is pleasurable. Life is easy. You better say amen. amen. If you don't, I'll talk about your gadgets. Now that you're hesitating, let me talk about them. And there's nothing but entertainment there. You're TikToking, WhatsApping, Instagramming, liking, following, trending, and all that is pleasure. And it looks nice, you know. It really looks nice. But you know how many prayer meetings have been messed by them gadgets? And people have now got their, their, their habit and their audacity to lie and, and to show you that they are in that gadget reading the Bible. Yeah, yeah, when you're looking, they are reading the Bible. When you're not looking, they are TikToking and following every trend and being entertained. That gadget is a gateway of entertainment. It's not a gateway into the spirit. Hallelujah. Unless you want to tell me that before the gadget came, people never went in the spirit. And people never waited on God. You know, back in the day when there was no gadgets, church was, people would really focus in and pray. Huh? But today, people are in the gadget there and they, they assume, they make you assume that they are in prayer and they're, in, they're reading a scripture, they are searching a scripture, and the majority of them are not. They're checking on that Instagram. That's why they've got their earphones in there. And I know it doesn't happen here at King's Touch, but I've been to a few churches and, and the preacher is preaching and the, the guy is in, in his phone and he's got his nice ear, earphones in there and he's listening to something else, some lovely joke. How you know is when he says, mm, when the preacher hasn't said nothing. <laughs> Leisures and pleasures are a big distraction to prayer. Number four, people and relationships can also be a big distraction to prayer. Jesus, obviously, you remember he said that while you are at the altar, and remember that your brother has got something against you. Leave your sacrifice and go be reconciled with your brother. Then come continue, Matthew 5, 23. You can see that he challenges us not to allow relationships with people to be a distraction. <coughs> he shows us that our relationships with people can be a distraction to our prayer life. While reconciliation and forgiveness is critical, it is also true that sometimes our relationships with people affect our ability to pray. Because if she's not there, I'll not be there. When she leaves, I will leave. Since he did not come, I'm not coming too. Are you going today or do we go next week? If you're not there, you know I cannot go. <clears throat> and then you're distracted. They even have the audacity to call you, oh, you're going to pray. Oh, that's a bit boring. The weekend is not for prayer. And you find that the devil uses people and relationships to distract people's lives and keep them from prayer. You better say amen. Otherwise, I'll talk about you distracting your husband. You better say amen. When he decides that it is time to fast, that's when you remember he's your prayer partner. And that's when you remember the holy fleece. To cover him and snuggle in that holy fleece. And bring heaven on earth. 
He does not, he's not looking for the, the heaven that's on earth. He's looking for the heaven that is in heaven. <laughs> People can be a destruction when they time your season of prayer and instead of being cooperative, they allow that to be a reason to take your focus away from the things of God. And then there's the flesh. That's number five. The flesh also wants to distract us from prayer, keep you from pressing in. Mark 14 and 32, Romans 8 and 1. All this show us how the flesh should not be empowered and should not be allowed to distract us from that place and from that anointing of prayer. We also remember Mark 4 and 4 where Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone. Because the flesh and its desires and the things of the flesh many times want to distract us from prayer. That is why fasting and praying go hand in hand. Because as you're fasting, you deny the flesh, you crucify the flesh, and you empower your spirit, and you release your spirit to do great things. Hallelujah. The flesh can be such a distraction for prayer as in it shows you how you're a great guy. You really don't need to pray. Shows you how you are wonderful and you're glorious and you don't need God. The flesh wants to be exalted, which brings us to number six. Success and results. Many people don't pray because they're successful. I got this without prayer. I got that without prayer. My hands get me this. My hands got me that. I got this with my bare hands. You hear, the, you hear people say that. I built this company with my bare hands. I did it all by myself and, and I'm successful. So why do I really need to pray? Huh? And people feel like, uh, uh, I've done it and, and I've done it well and I'm successful in my own ability. Why, why fast? Why pray? Why wait on God? Huh? Mark tells us in chapter 10, verse 17 uh, onwards, about the rich young man. You remember that story? Jesus liked him when he met him. He looked good. He looked sharp. He looked godly. He looked hungry. And Jesus, the Bible says he liked him. He's the only guy in the Bible that the, the, the scriptures clearly say Jesus liked him. What favor? What grace? The rest, he just helps you. He's not liking you. He's just helping you. He's doing you a favor. He looked at poor old Peter. He just did him a favor. He was old and tired, finished, having fished all night, smelling like the fish, but he has no fish. And he just helped him. Matthew, the tax, collect, the tax collector, was just rubbish. He just helped him. You remember the, the short fella uh, who, who had to climb the tree. The guy, the guy, huh? Zach was, was a short fella, nothing good to talk about. The guy didn't have game. He looked at him, not, nothing good. Huh? But this young man, the Bible says, Jesus liked him. And he said, he's the only guy who said, hey, of all the people that I would like to be in my crew, this guy. He went and picked him. He said, come, you, you I like. I like you. Let's go. Let's go do this. But in order to come, I need you to leave all your success. All your results. Leave them aside. Come follow me. All your money, your hard-earned cash. He actually told him, go sell them and bring the cash. Give to the poor. 
Then come, let's go. Hey, God. I, I, I leave my success. My bright lights and, and my friends and my crew and my cash, my hard earned cash, my results, and depend on you. The guy didn't even waste a second. You know, he was dilly-dallying with Jesus, but this guy was so principled. When Jesus put the stakes in the ground, the guy didn't hang around for the end of the Bible study. He didn't wait for the end of the service or the benediction. He just said, ah, man, my success is more important than God. I'm gone. I'm gone. I, I, I don't have time for this. Huh? The guy was so successful that uh, he could not serve God. And I wonder how much cash he had. Tell your neighbor, the world is not enough. How much money do you have that, that you can sacrifice God? You can sacrifice a front row seat. All the disciples couldn't believe it. They're like, wow. Jesus, I mean, he's got his eye on you. He's never done this. And you're not concerned. How much money do you have? Hey, we're talking about, we're talking about the creator of the universe. I mean, your net worth is, is 0. 0.000000. We might need to say 0000. For 17 years. It is so insignificant. But for you, you feel like your success should keep you from prayer, should keep you from God. You're too successful. It's the pride of life. Number seven, the Bible tells us about Martha. You remember the story, Mark 10 and 10. She was also distracted. For her, the Bible says, she was distracted by many things. Insignificant things. Matthew 10, Mark 10 and 40. She was distracted by many things. This, that, the other. <laughs> you know, she would just never sit down. She would just never settle down. She was always finding a reason to not settle down. So does someone need a glass of water? She goes get it. Does someone need some, uh, some uh, bagheer? She goes get it. Oh, the kids are crying. She goes to, to, to silence them. Huh? The, the, the people are not comfortable. She goes to ask why, why they're not comfortable. She was just distracted by many things. You know you can never fix the world. You know you can never solve people's problems. You know you can't even solve the problems of your one child. That one child. Huh? You can never solve his problems. Even when he's just one month old. His problems are few at one month old. Sleep, drink, change. And then repeat. Sleep. Drink, uh, 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 sleep, drink, change. Repeat. Sleep, drink, change. Do you know you can never make that boy happy? Still there are days he will just be grumpy. Huh? And here, Martha, she's distracted by many. So you're distracted, disturbed by many things. You're trying to fix the world. You can't. Amen? Brother, you'll be a successful husband when you figure that out. Do your best, but you can't fix everything. There are many things. They will always be there. Huh? You do your thing, do your best, but you can't fix them all. Otherwise, you'll never pray. Every time the kid sneeze, you stop praying. Every time the kid cough, you stop praying. Every time they're not happy, you stop praying. Many things. You are paying attention to everything. And you're seeking to please everything. Just like at your workplace. Try to please everyone. You can't. I'm not saying don't try. But you, you just can't. 
Just do your thing. Amen. If in your job description it says please the boss, please please the boss. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's such job descriptions. Huh? Because there are many things. All these are distractions. If you hear the excuses that people have for not pressing in in prayer, one, one would never clear that slate because they are just many. Huh? Do you know the things that you're trying to solve will be there after you pray? And even after you solve them, they'll be there? And do you know that the more you solve them, the more you'll be required to solve them? If you've never noticed, the more you do things for people and make them happen, the more they will give you more burdens. The more they'll call you, say she's the only one who can do it. You're thinking you're going to do it and finish it, but the more you do it, the more they realize that you're the only one who can do it. Therefore, they should overwhelm you to do it. Many things. That's what happened with Martha. Many of us don't understand within that what happened with Martha is that she was the one in charge of the hospitality. And I know people of the hospitality, you've been, you've been getting the, the, the slack for all these years. Hey, you're being a busybody. You're being a Martha because you're serving people. No, those are two different things. You can serve people and finish. They don't need a river of tea. One cup is enough. Let's go into the house of God and pray. One cup is enough. I mean, you guys, it's a conveyor belt of tea. White tea, black tea, cream tea, half white tea, half cream tea. Green tea, black tea, spicy tea, hot tea, tea that is cold, iced tea. Yeah, I mean, you can't, solve, you can't make everyone happy. Huh? So the problem was not that Martha was serving. The problem was she was busy with many things. Okay? The option we have here is we have black tea. If you don't drink black tea, God bless you. Go get your cappuccino at home. Amen. There's a nice cafe down there. You can actually swing by on the way out. We have black tea. Take your one cup. Let's get on with the things of God. We came to pray. This is not a restaurant. Hallelujah. We came to pray. We didn't come to, to the many things. Huh? We are distracted by many things, trying to do everything everywhere that we don't pray. The, the, reason, the reason church, the reason why we do church is not all these extra church activities. You have heard of extracurricular activities? That's not why we send your kids to school. Amen? We don't send your kids to school so they can get a certificate in swimming. It's an, it's an extracurricular activity. I know you feel proud. My son is at the top of the swimming school. You have a certificate of swimming. All they did is to jump in the water and not die. And then they came out. Schools are good. They give him a certificate. Says this week's best swimmer. He's not really that good. He just didn't die. <laughs> to encourage him, they gave him a certificate. Those are extracurricular. And then you come and put it on the wall and say, my son is the best swimmer in the whole school. Look, they gave him a certificate. That is not the point. We, you sent your son to get an education. <laughs> so that is, is, is educated in the curriculum. Not in this extra. It's what happens in the church when we are concerned with the extracurriculars. The many things. Hallelujah. All these distractions are there to try to keep us from pressing in. But pressing in means that we ignore the things that are trying to keep us away from pressing in so that we can go to the level, to the dimensions God wants us to get to. When you 
are praying desperately, when you are praying, you get to a place when you must flourish in prayer, where you must press in. Pressing in in prayer means that things are not as they should, but you press in. Things are not going according to plan, but you press in. Things are a bit jammed up and a bit disturbing, but you press in. Things are not cooperating, but you press in. Hallelujah. You know, there are times things don't cooperate. There are times things are not willing. There are times people are not willing, but you press in. Pressing in in prayer means that you go beyond the, 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 the times and the seasons when everything is going according to plan and you still get the job done. You press in. The Bible tells us of that woman who came desperate for her child to get a healing. She came to Jesus and, and she did not get the positive feedback. They, they, they didn't allow her to queue up. They didn't allow her in the building. They, they just tried to get rid of her. She called out and Jesus caught her attention. Uh, she caught his attention and, and Jesus says, what's happening there? And, and they tell her the story. And Jesus insults her. He says, it's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs. Things are not going to pl according to plan, but she's pressing in. You know, if you only pray when things go according to plan, you can never break through. If you only pray when things are happening well and your prayer partner is in the spirit and everything is working fine, you can never break through. There are times you must press in when things seem like they are falling apart and the wheels are coming off the bus and nothing is working and nothing is going according to plan. Those are the moments where you must press in. There are times you come and start and everyone is willing <coughs> and things are working out according to the plan. But then there are times you come and, and it's, like, it's like you have yanked on the gates of hell. That's when everything just begins to go crazy. Those you owed money, they remember. Those that didn't pay you, those that ought to pay you, turn off their phones. That's when the landlord remembers he hasn't raised rent for, for two years. So he raises his two years in arrears. That's when the taxman remembers that you haven't paid tax. That's when your friend at Tiara A turns his phones off and he goes on holiday for two months. Everything is falling apart. That's when you must press in. There are times you must press in in prayer. There are times you must go beyond the call of duty. There are times you must go beyond the norm. You must press in. Jesus found himself in that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a difficult time, a difficult season. It was a difficult day. Hey, his disciples were not ready to pray with him. They were all falling asleep. They had come to pray, but as soon as they said, let us pray, it's like he said, let us sleep. They all fell asleep. Jesus looks around and he's standing alone and he has to press in. Brother, I wish I could tell you that uh, you will always have it smooth in prayer. But there are times where the going gets so tough, you must press in. You must go beyond the norm. You must go beyond the ordinary. You must go beyond the here and now. You must go beyond the entry level. Huh? You know, sometimes you work with the entry level and it works. You know? Entry level coding, entry level skills and it works. Entry level, you know, approach. But then there are times the entry level is not working. There are times it will not work. There are times you need to go beyond that entry level and dig in and press in. There are miracles. There are blessings. There are, there are things that only happen after you have pressed in. That press in prayer, 
releases certain dimensions. It releases certain miracles. It releases certain breakthroughs. Hallelujah. You know, if you're the first one from your village to get born again, you need a kind of pressing prayer. Because all of hell is trying to pull you back. If you're the only one in your village who doesn't drink that uh, 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 stuff, what, what do you call it? The white one. Janga. Janga. The, you're the only one that doesn't drink it. The whole village is trying to pull you back to Changa. Now, if, if, if you are coming from a place where you're broken through, your village doesn't even have Changa, you, you just move on very easily. It doesn't pull you. It doesn't hold you back. But if you're the first one, you must press in. Hallelujah. You know, we must understand where we are and what is needed for where we are. Because where we are de uh, demands certain inputs. Amen? If you, if you, if you are, I mean, like many of you, your kids have been on planes uh, uh, even before they were born. And uh, two weeks after they were born, they're, they're flying everywhere. And, and, uh, and by the time they are seven, they don't know how many flights they have had. But if you have not been on a bus till you are 21, a plane is so far, you have to press in. The ancestral spirits, the oversized demons of your grandfather are trying to keep you from that plane. You must press in. If your kids get up, they look at these flights. For them, it's, a, it's multiple choice. What, what airline can we use? We, there is this, there is that, there is the other. They're booking online. They're checking in online. Because by the time they're 10, they don't know. Like my kids, by, by the time my kids were 10, they had been to four con five continents. They had been to every major city in the world. By the time they were 2, they had been in five continents. But by the time I was 21, I was still fighting to get off Akamba, Akamba bus. Do you know Akamba bus? Some of you don't even know there was a bus called Akamba. Then there was the one which used to come to Tanzania here. It was called Taufik. Do you know Taufik? That thing would beat you up. That thing was like hell. Taufik, I'll never forget there was a Taufik. The last one I got on coming to Dar es Salaam, it even had a hole in the bus. You could see the road down. And the, the guy in the bus would tell you, wait, wait, if you throw your bag down there, it's gone. We don't stop for bags that you throw down there. You could see the drive shaft going on down there. Huh? My kids don't know what Taufik is. They don't know what Akamba is. Many of you here don't even know what Akamba is. You don't even know Munazi Moja. That's where Akamba used to go. Huh? But if you are the pioneering generation, if you are the one who has to get it started, you must press in. The rest are following you. The rest are coming behind you. The way that you are making, the rest are going to follow that way. That's why you must press in. The rest are going to have it easy. Hallelujah. The rest are going to have it easy. The first visa I got uh, to, to the States, I was rejected 12 times. I applied 12 times and they kept saying, no, 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 no. Man, you're going nowhere, no. <laughs> My kids never have to apply for any visa because I had to press in and break through. <laughs> the devil is in trouble. When you press in, the things that you fight for, the next generation has no clue. They have no idea how hard it was. They have no idea how impossible it was. My kids don't apply to, for visas anywhere. The only visas they have applied for is to come into Uganda. Oh, yeah. 
And it was so funny because I brought them in and they have their Ugandan names and the immigration officer looks at their passports and then he says, Sebo, your kids need a visa into Uganda. And I laughed. I said, you're telling me Lutwama needs a visa to come into Uganda. He smiled and said, yeah, just pay $50 and let's get on with it. <laughs> so you must press in because you understand that in this moment, that press in prayer is going to turn around things for everyone. Press in prayer is generational. The generations that follow find it easy, find it smooth. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Press in prayers are breakthrough. The generations that follow find it smooth because someone has already broken the barriers. Press in prayers are so critical because entire, entire families depend on that. Hallelujah. Entire families depend on that. A person prayer is the one that is able to break things down and break things through so that the families that are following find it very smooth and very easy. I know when you've been delivered, it looks very easy. If you have never been bound by alcohol, it looks very easy. Say, why, why are they bound by alcohol? But if you have broken through, you know that, you know what? I am breaking through this area. I need to press in because this is not an easy thing. Everyone looks at it as easy. Everyone looks at it as something that is ordinary. But those who have never been bound by it don't understand it. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. <laughs> uh, when I was doing my Akamba years, the devil spoke to me. You know, God speaks and the devil speaks as well. When I was in that bus with the whole, the devil spoke to me and said, you'll never get on a plane. You'll never, never get on a plane. Ah. Uh, I had to speak back and say, next time I'm on a plane. <laughs> and the next time I was on the plane, the first time I was on a plane, I was so mad. I had to stand and create chaos at the entrance of the plane. <laughs> the pilot is saying this. They say, I said, no, I'm in the entrance, waving to the whole village. <laughs> you, you never had to press in. You go with your little wife to the plane, you just go. We were to press in to break those barriers. We brought the whole village, the whole clan to the airport the first time. The whole church, the whole choir, the intercessors, they were in line. <laughs> they thought I was a rock star. <laughs> Said, hey, this guy must be very important. Look at all these people escorting him. They all had to be there as witnesses that, hey, the castle of Akamba has been broken. And no, it's, it's, it's like some of these things are demons. How you name your whole bus Akamba? Huh? The planes have good names. Air Tanzania, Air India, Ethiopian Airways, Air Uganda, Emirates, Akamba. How did you come? Akamba. Taufik. There was another one. He used to come to Tanzania. I forget the name. It, it, huh? it, it used to go all the way to Zambia. Scandinavia, that one is, is in English. That's, that's in English. That's in English, man. It even has bathrooms. Now, if you have never been to Akamba, just thank God. Because Akamba would do one bathroom break. 
if the hour comes and you're still in the bathroom, you have to chase after a comeback. I don't know who was more demonized. The driver was full of the devil. They once left me at the border trying to find the Coca-Cola. They left me at the border trying to go for bathroom break. We had to chase the thing down for a hundred Ks. Yeah? Yeah? Get a taxi, chase it down, and those things could fly. They know you're chasing it down, but they're driving like crazy. And he's in the, he's in the bus saying, hey, Waganda, Waganda. They go to the bathroom for 10 minutes. What's wrong with them? Let me leave them. If you've never been to Akamba, you don't know. So when we went to that airplane the first time, the intercessors were there. They sing answered prayer. Answered prayer. There was chaos. Chaos at the, at the top there on the entrance of the plane. Chaos. I had to greet everyone, including the pilot. I couldn't sit down. Say, so where, where's the pilot? Where's the pilot? Where, you, you, pilot, you're okay? You're the one taking us. You're okay? Or do you need some prayer? Huh? <laughs> when you have to press in, you're breaking bounds, you're breaking limits, you're breaking barriers. When you press in and you break through, it sounds so beautiful. But in that moment of having to press in, it is not beautiful. It is not pretty. That's where Jesus was. He had to press in. There is a pressing prayer. And I pray that you will learn those seasons when you have to press in. Seven things about pressing prayer. Number one, a pressing prayer is timely. Tomorrow cannot be good enough. It's today. Yesterday is not consequential. It is today. Pressing prayers have a time span on them. Just like opportunities have time span on them. You must maximize your opportunity in the lifetime of that opportunity. If you wait too long, the opportunity will expire. Just like manna, they had to collect it in the morning. In the afternoon, it was gone. Pressing prayers are the kinds that you pray when what you're doing has a time span to it. Hallelujah. We must understand the time span of what we are doing. Timely. It must be done in a timely manner. In that moment. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. In a timely manner. You know, if God has talked to you about your child, the one you're going to deliver, and you have no husband, and then you are being reminded what menopause is, and then the time is clicking, and the tray of eggs is about to get finished. That's when you understand this thing needs to happen now, 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 now. Huh? You pray in a, in, in a desperate way because, you know, it must happen now. Like if God has given you that promise of that promotion and someone is being interviewed and many people are being interviewed and you were interviewed in the beginning, but they are not calling you back. And then you understand that by January, there will be someone sitting in that chair. And it's supposed to be your chair. And you understand if God doesn't answer now, by January next year, I'll have a boss. And you're used to being the boss. And you're supposed to be the boss. And you realize that if I don't pray between here and January next year, I could be out of a job. 
must be done between now and then. Timely. There's a time, there's a time span to it. That's when you need to press in. You know, there are things you pray for and it can be done next year. You can be done. Like, like that car. You, if you don't get that VX this year, you can get it next year. Don't get worked up. You can get it the other year. Actually, don't get worked up because there will be better ones the, the other year. Have you seen the new one, the 23 VX? I mean, that thing is lovely. That thing breathes. Huh? When it arrives, it has arrived. Huh? The thing is something else. It's big brother for 24 2024 is even badder. The grill is bigger. The tank is wider. There's nothing timely about that VX. You can get it anytime. The more you delay, the better. Because there are newer ones coming. Huh? But then there are things, if you don't get them now, they are gone forever. Ask Esau. When he skipped the blessing, the blessing was gone forever. He sought it with tears. He could not get it. He sought it with repentance. He cooked barbecue. He did everything. Jacob had run with the blessing. It was a timely affair. Esau should have pressed in at that time. If I was Esau, he should have kept the muchomo on, on standby. Because he knew Muzei likes this muchomo. And every time he eats muchomo, he becomes spiritual. He begins crying and he begins prophesying. I would prepare muchomo and just wait. It, it was clear. He said, I'm going to bless you, my sons. Prepare muchomo. Bring Muchomo. Bring Nyamachoma here. Then I'll, then, I'll, then I'll bless you. There was no blessing in, in that house without Nyamachoma. Huh? So every time we'd begin talking about meat, they would know, hey, it's going down. Something is going to happen. You, you should have known that at that time, that is when it's going to be released. You know, the Bible talks about the sons of Issachar. They, they know the times. I pray that in the realm of the spirit, you know the times of where you are. That you'll know the things that God is doing. That you'll know the day of your visitation. That you'll know the day of your acceleration. That you'll know the day of your repositioning. That you'll know the day when God is causing all things to fall in place according to his will and his purpose for you. Huh? Pressing prayers are timely because they understand. It's, they, they, you know, some people think that we can pray anytime. We cannot pray anytime. There, there is a window. There is a gap where you must break through. Otherwise, your prayers will be futile. That's what happened with Esau. He prayed for the blessing with tears, the Bible says. He still didn't get it. Because what Jacob had taken was taken. It was gone. It was over. You know, Jesus had to press in because it was timely. What he had to do on the cross could not be done again. It could not be redone. It had to be done once and for all. The Bible says it's the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth. The entire earth, the entire universe, the entire cosmos was spinning and sustained by the word of his power depending on his sacrifice that had been done before the foundation on the earth, of the earth but had to be manifest at that specific time to validate what God had done before the foundations of the earth. He could not redo it. There's no second take. You know, that's the mistake we make. We forget the timeliness of what we are doing. We think that this is a dry run. This is not a dry run. This is it. Huh? This is not a test run. You really think that this is a test run for ministry? This is a test run for the blessing and the grace of God? This is a test run for the, for the things that God wants to release in you? This is not a test run, guys. This is the real thing. This is not a drill. You must understand the timing that you're in because this is not a drill. We are used to checking it out and 
trying it out and we'll try again tomorrow. And we forget the timely nature of what God is doing with us. We must understand that God has a blessing for now. God has a grace for now. God has a destiny for now. God has an alignment for now. God has a work for now. God has a grace for now. And when we understand the now, we grab a hold of the timing of God. You must make the most of the opportunity that God has given you in the lifetime of that opportunity. Because when the, sh when the season shifts and the moments change, that, that opportunity will have gone. It won't be there. Now you're dealing with this because now is its time. If you hold on, if you don't do it right now, if you dilly-dally right now, you will miss on what God has for you. And if you don't get it here now, you look for it and, and it is gone. If you look through the book of Judges and the Chronicles and the Kings, you can see a pattern. Timing. They served God, loved him, and he blessed them for 40 years, for 20 years. They rebelled and then for 40 years, for 20 years, they gave them over to their enemy. Doesn't mean they didn't repent. They repented, but they had missed their timing. They had missed their moment. They had missed the day of their visitation. That's what Jesus said when he cried over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only you knew the hour of your visitation. Huh? You see, the, 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 the problem is we think that we, we, can, we can do it anytime. No, there are cycles in the realm of the spirit. There are times and seasons set by God. And there are times when we must press in because it is timely. That is the time for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let me say it this way. Brother, if you delay, by the time you propose to her, she'll be Mrs. Someone. I, I hope you can understand it. Huh? And what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. People, someone once came to me and said, what am I going to do? God had told me to marry this lady, but she already got married to someone else. I said, brother, you snooze, you lose. He, was, he, he actually left the church because he was heartbroken. He came expecting, I'm going to break and destroy a fruit. Brother, where were you in the hour of your visitation? You should have been pressing in. Now you're talking about Mrs. So-and-so. Huh? She's gone. You must catch it in its time. You must press in in its time. The second thing about pressing prayer is not only is it timely, but it is also incremental. As in, this is built on that. That is building on this. In order to get to this, you must have that. But while you're getting that, you don't realize that it is giving you the other. We must understand that it is incremental. Life is incremental. If you cannot press in today and break through with what God has for you today, you will not be able to get that which he has predestined for tomorrow. Because what is preparing tomorrow is built on today. We are thinking that it's going to give us tomorrow in isolation. But it's not going to give us tomorrow in isolation. He's giving us that which he has predestined for us in connection, in an incremental release. He who is faithful with little, more shall be added to them. Who is faithful with another man's, they'll be given their own. He is faithful with five cities. He will give him five more. He says, come, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with two. Let's give you two more. 
You've been faithful with five. Let's give you five more. And then he looks at this fellow and says, you guy who's up to no good, the little that you have, take it away from him and give it to the guy who has more because God is incremental. We need to press in and understand that pressing prayer is incremental. If you can't pray at a certain level today, you won't set yourself up to pray at a certain level tomorrow. You see, today you're praying at a certain level, growing in prayer, and you don't understand it. But God is giving you grace so that tomorrow, when you're the senior pastor of uh, King's Touch in the northern regions, you know how to pray. You think you will learn how to pray when you're the senior pastor then, and that's how you learn how to pray. No, it is too late. If you did not learn how to pray while you were the senior usher, the chief usher, you can never learn how to pray when you're the senior pastor. You'll never even be the senior pastor. Because while you are still the chief usher, he's giving you the lesson, giving you the grace, giving you the wisdom to set you up so that you can stand in that place. You're all waiting to sit in the seat to learn how to behave in the seat. It's too late. You'll never sit in that seat. You'll learn how to behave in that seat before you have the opportunity to sit in it. And because you have received the grace before you get that opportunity, when God brings the opportunity, he sets you in there and you fill it up. Pressing prayer is incremental. Hallelujah. If you can't learn to pray today when you're just dealing with school fees for yourself, it will be another ball game when you have to pray for school fees for five kids. When you have to pray investments for the whole clan. Right now, your, your, your responsibilities is just rent. If you can't run, learn how to press in with your rent responsibilities, you will not be able to handle it when you're dealing with your entire clan. Huh? We must understand it is incremental. Pressing prayer is incremental, as in it takes you from this level to another level. It takes you from this dimension to another dimension. But he's giving you what you need for the future. He's giving it to you today. You see, God does not give you what you need for tomorrow when you get into your tomorrow. He gives it to you today. So that by the time you get into your tomorrow, your capacity has already been expanded. Your capacity has already been increased. You are waiting to get the appointment to have the capacity to handle the appointment. That is too late. He wants to give you today the capacity to handle the appointment of tomorrow. So understand what is giving you today is incremental. It is setting you up for the increase. Pressing prayer is the kind that understands that I'm praying today, but God is increasing my capacity. He's increasing my prayability. He's increasing my ability to pray. Huh? We call it prayer ability. Prayability. Some people can't pray. If God gave you three frogs and told you to take them across the pond, you can't. But Moses, God gave him three million people and he told them to take them out of Egypt. <laughs> if God gave you six chickens and told you to take them to the promised land, you can't. Because you don't even know how to pray at that level. So you must understand that what you must do today is setting you up for what you must do tomorrow. You might look at Moses and think he's taking care of sheep in the wilderness. No, God is teaching him how to lead a nation. It is incremental. So he's praying for the sheep like he's praying for the nation. 
it is incremental. If he can go after the one sheep, then he can go after the lost soul. It is incremental. Many of our pastors now, we train them by giving them sheep and dogs to take care of. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a guy who is, God has been raising him up. I'll not tell you his name. Many of you know him. God told me he's going to be a good man of God. Train him up. Said, give him the dog. Hallelujah. So I gave him the dog. Big, big, nice, beautiful dog. When I see how you take care of the dog, I know if you can take care of people. Hallelujah. If you can't take care of a dog that can't speak, doesn't cast, doesn't, is never late, is always home, how will you take care of people? People who are TikToking and WhatsApping and, and, and have a lot of entertainment and have a lot of demands. If you can't learn the lesson from the dog, it's going to be very difficult to learn it from people. Hallelujah. Because it is incremental. God is going to give you what you need for tomorrow, today. And you must increase your capacity. You must increase the grace. You must increase the ability today so that tomorrow you can handle it. Hallelujah. If you can pray and take care of a dog, you can take care of people. That's what God did. I mean, if God gave them sheep, why shouldn't I give you dogs? If I had sheep, I would have given you sheep. But in this generation, we don't have sheep. The only sheep we have is on the table. Amen. Number three, pressing prayer is also consequential. Number one, it is timely. Number two, it is incremental. Number three, it is consequential. There is a consequence as in what you did yesterday affects what you're doing today. It's different from incremental as in when you're tightening screws. If you're tying something up and you tighten the screws, it gets tighter with every twist. It gets tighter. And in order for it to be absolutely tight, you must turn those screws so many times until it gets to where you want it to get to. It is like a consequence. What you're doing today is affecting what you're going to do tomorrow. And if you do it right today, it will give you the ability and the grace to do it right tomorrow. What I mean by that is, as you do pressing in prayer, there is levels in prayer that will make your spirit tighter. That will make your spirit sharper. That will make your discernment sharper. You know, tomorrow you have to discern life and death. But today, as you pray, he's making your spiritual antennas more sensitive. So that tomorrow, they can actually pick up what needs to be picked up. Because the, 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 the operation is tighter. When you have not tightened the screws, it means that uh, it is lax. Anything goes. Anything skips. You're not sure. It's neither here nor there. There are certain things you can only notice when the situation is tight. Like what you're made of. When you're going through tough times, I can see what you're made of. Huh? If you're a quitter, I can't see it during the good times. It is during the tough times I can see you're a quitter. If you're a fighter, I can't see it during the good times. I can see it only during the tough times. Matter of fact, tough times are the moments where I ask a lot of questions. When people are going through a lot of tough times, I ask a lot of people questions because they are revealing 
When I hear the crisis that is going on, I'm always trying to find out who responded. How did they respond? Because it shows me what they are made of. It is very easy in the good times for you to press in and to be smart. It is another story when the news is as bad and as bleak as can be. And we need people who are going to fight the fight. That's when we see what character you've got. Are you a quitter or are you a fighter? Can you stand your ground or are you going to roll over? Are you going to show up? Or are you the one who shrinks away? The Bible talks of those who shrink away. Let us not be one of those that shrink away. Huh? Those that shrink away, what it means is the, the, the moment comes, but they don't have what it takes. They just shrink away. They shy away. They stay away from it because they, they, they don't have, it's not tight. It's not in there. But you know how you get it in there? It's when you press in and you make it tighter. Through those seasons. You see, Jesus was able to handle whatever was thrown at him because through the process, he was making it tighter. That was not the first time he was praying all night. That was not the first time these guys were sleeping on him. That was, that, that was not the first time that the going was tough. His visit to the Mount of Olives, that was not the first time. We are waiting for the worst day for us to begin visiting the Mount of Olives. No, he had been going there regularly. When he fed the 5,000, he had that time. When he was walking on the water, it was again that time. He, he always sent his disciples away for him to tighten up in the realm of the spirit. So when that day came and tomorrow he has to carry the cross, the thing had been gradually getting tighter. What I mean is, don't wait for there to begin to, 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 to get into your zone. If you wait for there to get into the zone, it's too late. Begin to get into the zone now. So by the time you're getting there and we require your A game, you have made a habit of getting into the zone. That's what happened with David. He said, I've killed the bear. I've been in that zone before. I've killed the lion. I've been in that zone before. I'm going to kill this Goliath. Because I've been in that zone before. I, I'm not just making it happen now. I've been tightening this thing. Do you realize that David had been tightening this thing gradually? He didn't start with Goliath. And that's the mistake we make. We want to start with Goliath. We haven't honed our skills. We haven't honed our time. We don't even know how to press in. We look at Goliath and say, we are taking on Goliath. He smiles and laughs at you and says, hey, you're finished. I'm going to feed you to the birds. Not David. David had been tightening it. They did not know, but he was walking behind the scenes and the thing was getting tighter, tighter and tighter. Pressing prayer is the kind that gets tighter. Huh? You see, we must understand how to dig in and how to tighten and how to press in because we know that Certain things will not happen until there's a certain amount of pressure. Which brings me to number four. Pressing prayer are prayers that are pressurized. You see, when you have pressure, you tend to pray in a certain way. When you have no pressure, you, can, you cannot quite pray the same way. When you have pressure, you are up at midnight praying. If the pressure you have is little, you are up at six praying. Because one hour pressure is enough. By seven, the breakthrough is on the horizon. 
But if the pressure you have is intense, you don't wake up at six to pray. You start at three. Then there are times you're kicking it from three to seven and you feel it's not enough. You begin to start kicking it at midnight. Huh? And you feel like, you know what? I need to pressurize this thing and begin at midnight. Hmm? That is your number four. Pressure. Jesus had the pressure. He felt the sin of the world on his shoulders. He felt the weight of the world on his shoulders. The born and the unborn were on his shoulders. If he does not deliver on Calvary, eternity will be lost for the millions to come. Furthermore, the millions that were already bound in AIDS would forever be lost. The pressure was on. He felt the pressure. Pressure is good. And I hear many people say, don't give me pressure. If you can't stand the pressure, get out of the kitchen. There must be pressure. The things of the spirit have pressure. Things that have results have pressure. The boardroom has pressure. The top, at the top, there is pressure. Guess what? Even at the bottom, there is pressure. Huh? If you cannot handle the pressure, and if you cannot pray with pressure, then you cannot break through because it takes pressure. You must feel that pressure. I hear people complain, don't pressurize me, don't pressurize me. Then, then go to the graveyard. That's the only place we don't pressurize people. Every day you wake up, someone is going to put a demand on you and there will be pressure. The kids are pressing you. We need, we, need, we need school fees. The kids are pressing you. We need to do the homework. The boss is pressing you. The year is ending. The pastor is pressing you. We have a conference. Huh? Every angle, every direction you look, someone is demanding something of you because pressure is the best place for performance. Huh? Some people complain, oh, she's pressurizing me to, to do a wedding. Yes, life is pressure. Her, her, her people are, are putting her under stress. Hey, you've been with that boy for too long. Is he up to anything or is he one of these fly-by-nights? Pressure. You visited her father. The father saw you. He's asking, what is the boy saying? What's the boy saying? Is it next? Is it six months from now we begin preparing the cows or what? What's going on? Or is it, or is it you church people just tell each other stories? Hey, the guy doesn't want pressure. Then go move back to Mwanza. That's where there's no pressure. But the people in Mwanza will tell you, even in Mwanza, there is pressure. Huh? Pressing prayer is a result of pressure. That woman with her child who was demonized could feel the pressure. That man with, her, with his son who was demonized, throwing him in the fire, could feel the pressure. Jesus in that garden had the pressure of the world on his shoulders. He knew if he does not come through, this thing is going to be forever lost. He could feel the pressure. That's why when he was praying, he was sweating blood. That is pressure, man. That is serious pressure. Doctors will tell you, those who bother to research, sweating blood is an anomaly. It hardly happens. It is when the veins have been ruptured. It is times of intense pressure. We see it once in a while when people have a nosebleed. The veins in their nose have been pressured so much they rupture. The pressure is so intense, so much that the veins rupture. You should be able to handle pressure. Hallelujah. I hear people say, oh, I, I can't handle the pressure. It's, it's too much pressure. You're joking. You can handle it. Get your game. You get your head in the game. Get your head in this thing. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. And it is going to be 
full of pressure. That's why you must press in. Pressing prayers are the ones that have seen the pressure. Have you ever felt the pressure? Huh? Have you ever felt the pressure? Samuel's mom felt the pressure. She needed, she felt in the spirit that she must have a son who is going to bring about changes of destiny. She was so pressed. Her husband, you remember his name? Elkanah. Elkanah felt the pressure. This chick pressured him. Man, I need that baby. You're the guy who starts the process. I need that baby. You better get this process started. They were in the temple praying, we need baby. You guys are here laughing. When a woman needs baby, you will look for this someone. Guys, record it well. Someone will look for this someone. When a woman needs baby, don't tell her, see you, what hormones and, and, and. <laughs> if you're a doctor, women come, they need baby. You better have answers. If you have no answers, you better have faith. Just tell them only God can do this. Just let's pray. Because when they are pressurizing, they need baby. (laughs) Maybe the ones here in Tanzania, they they don't. I think the ones here are good. But the ones I see in the Bible, this woman prayed. The bishop came to close the church. He said, I'm going nowhere. He came to close the conference. He said, I'm going nowhere. To the extent the guy thought this woman is just drunk because the words she was saying, the pressure she was in was only consistent with a crazy woman. Drunk, high on something. Pressing prayers have pressure. And uh, you don't only feel the pressure, but you also apply the pressure. Do you know how to apply spiritual pressure? Do you know how to apply pressure in prayer? Do you know how to apply pressure in the spirit? Do you know how to apply pressure on God? Do you know how to apply pressure on the things of God? To place a demand on the things of God? Do you know how to apply pressure on the realm of the spirit? So that you can withdraw out of the spirit realm what you need for the natural. You guys know how to apply pressure in the physical. When you need cash, you go and you're sure you get that cash. You line up at the bank. If they say there is no float, you, you, you insist. You meet the manager. You meet, you meet the branch manager. You mean you go everywhere. You, you even put your house up for collateral. I need cash. I need cash. You apply pressure in the natural. In the same way in the spirit, pressing prayer applies pressure. It means that you don't take it lightly. You don't take it easy. You don't take it for granted. But you insist and you persist and you press in. Brings us to number f- five. And the word number five is urgent. When something is urgent, tomorrow cannot do. When something is urgent, uh, next week cannot do. It must be done now. Huh? When a lady has to deliver a baby, it is urgent, brother. That's why clever men, when the time is coming near, they pack the bags and they wait. They make the bookings, they, they, they have everything on standby because they know when the hour urgently comes, it has come. Women have given birth in many places. Some funny, some not so funny. Some of the funny ones, the strange ones, are the following. Women give birth on the plane. In the, in the sky. You know when they're in the sky, people are thinking about so many things. This one is thinking about delivery. She can't wait in the sky. 
up there. Another one has given birth, I, I was reading some time ago, another one gave birth in the taxi. Taxi, minibus. In Kenya here, minibus, on the bus. There was no time for what? By the time they are waiting, they just say, just park. It's urgent. It's now. Huh? It's urgent. It's now. When you're not urgent, you say, we can, we can postpone it. It's okay, we can set a date. We don't have to be worked up. And that's how many of us pray. We're not urgent. We are praying, God, if you have the time, it's okay, we can do it now. If you don't, I understand. God, if you don't, I, uh, it's okay, I can, I, we can do it next year. You're in the pressing level when you feel urgent. You feel like if you don't do it now, something is going kaput. Yeah. Something is going to die. Something is going to cease. You feel like if you don't do it now, something will not be the same. Huh? When it is urgent, tomorrow cannot do. You cannot postpone it. Huh? Ladies have given birth at uh, restaurants. I was reading a story some months ago. The lady, when they brought, by the time they brought the food, They went to place the order. I think it was, it must have been beef or some hard meat to cook. By the time they came back, they, she, she had delivered. Said, you, you keep your food. We're, we're going to the hospital. Huh? Because when something is urgent, it cannot wait. The pressing kind of prayer is urgent. Some of you need to, to learn that urgent prayer where you feel like no, tomorrow, tomorrow, no, no, no. Tomorrow is, is, is not going to happen. Yeah. It must be done here. Tomorrow is not going to, 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 to be enough. Tomorrow will be too late. It must be done here. That is urgent. You know, when we add urgency to our prayer, then we can literally break into realms where we, we, we see God in a special way. If we don't have urgent in our prayers, we miss it. You know, life is comfortable. We want to take our time. We want to, to take it easy. Uh, yeah, we can do it tomorrow. Do, do you have time? Yeah, yeah, we can do it. If you have time, we can do it. Brother, never ask your wife, if you, do we have time to, to go to the hospital to deliver? Do we have time? Or is tomorrow good? Huh? Even the boss knows. His wife is delivering. Forget the, forget the man. Forget the man. Even, even the army knows. That's why they call it paternity leave. They say, give him days. This thing is urgent. It cannot be done another day. It must be done now. It is urgent. And finally, number six, the word is desperate. Pressing prayers are desperate. You feel like you're dying. You feel like if you don't do it, something is going amiss. That woman who was crazy, she was desperate. That woman who brought her child for that deliverance, she was desperate. In her prayer, she was desperate. In her approach, she was desperate. We need to learn to be desperate for God in prayer. We need to learn to be desperate for the things of God. We need to heighten our desperation so that we do things with that level of desperation. When Jesus was in 
Mount of Olives, man, it was a desperate situation. His prayer was desperate. It was heightened. It was charged. Huh? He was on the edge. If, if you came and said the wrong thing, you'd be in big trouble. Huh? Everyone was on the edge. Everyone was desperate. Knives were coming out. Ears were being chopped. It was a desperate situation, guys. It, it, it was a, a life-and-death situation. Ears were being chopped off and someone was putting them back on. It was desperate. There was blood on the streets. But we want to pray those prayers of, uh, yeah, yeah, we shall see. We shall get there. We don't need to be so emotional. It's okay, God understands. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have to control our emotions. Thank you for controlling your emotions. You're doing a good job. You're not yet desperate. Desperate people don't even know there's such thing as control. They don't even know there's such thing as emotions. All they know is there's one thing called breakthrough. And that's what they want. Hallelujah. Desperate people don't have all, all these other common senses that we have. They, they don't even know that they exist. It's like the mind blocks out everything else and focuses in on one thing and one thing alone. When you're desperate, you even forget that you must eat. Huh? People, some people fast and, and they, they have a program of fasting. When you're in the zone of desperation, the body just says, I don't want food. I don't want food. I want, I want breakthrough. I want God. I, I don't want this leisure of, 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 of things being done properly. No, no, I'm not interested. I want God. Let us learn to press in in prayer by being desperate. Because you see, when you're desperate, there are realms, there are things that are reserved for desperate people only. Amen? Like all the waze here, those who are waze, they have what they call a rainy day fund. If you don't have a rainy day fan, don't worry, you're not yet there. But when you get there, you need a rainy day fan. That is a fan that takes care of crisis. We only access that fan when things are desperate. When things are at the end of the end. Huh? That rainy day fan, we only keep it for the most dire of situations. When it is a dire situation, that is when we access that fan. In the midst of that desperation, that's when we access that fund. We don't access it for people who want ice cream or people who want to go out and have a good time, people who are not dealing with crisis. No, that's, that's not the realm of desperation. The rainy day fund is for desperate crisis situation, crisis management. Hallelujah. And for some reason, we feel like if we're not desperate, we are good Christians. We also feel like we are living by faith. We also, we also feel like uh, uh, we are glorifying God because we're not desperate. We feel like if we're not desperate, we, uh, we are serving God properly and, and, and God is, is, is blessing us and, and, uh, and things are going according to plan. No, desperation is part of the process. If you cannot heighten your desperation, you cannot get into those breakthroughs. It takes a certain level of desperation to get those breakthroughs. 
You see, if you're not desperate, you wait, you wait, you keep waiting for the rest of your life. If you're desperate, you say, today I must conclude this thing today. I'm concluding it today one way or another. It is ending either in a good way or in a bad way. It is ending today. Huh? If you're not desperate, you keep postponing your destiny. You keep postponing. You keep postponing. Yeah, we'll do it next time. We'll do it next time. We'll do it next time. But when you're desperate, you stop postponing and you say it is now or now. It will be done or it will be done. It will happen or it will happen. Just like Samson. When he was pushing those temples down, he was saying, look, I've got one chance and I must make it count. I must push until I bring these things down, even though it means they collapse on me. He was that desperate. There are certain things that are reserved for desperate people. There are certain breakthroughs that are reserved for desperate people. There are certain positions that are reserved for desperate people. There are certain anointings that are reserved for desperate people. There are certain uh, doors that are reserved for desperate people. There are certain levels that are reserved for desperate people. Some of you are too comfortable. You're not desperate enough. You're, those levels are not for you. You're, you're comfortable. You've ironed all your shirts nice and properly. And, and you're just waiting for someone else to do the dirty work. You don't want to, to display your emotions. Huh? Certain things can only be done when we heighten our desperation. And believe me, until you get desperate, certain things will keep dogging you. Yeah. Certain things will keep holding you. Yeah. Certain things will keep binding you. Huh? Yeah. Until you heighten your desperation and get fed up. Hallelujah. I'll never forget the first landlord I fired. I was renting this house and this landlord was hopeless. They came to me one time and started knocking at my house at five in the morning. I obviously did not answer. At seven, they were knocking. When I opened, they came to collect rent at seven. I told them, come collect rent. Instead of coming at one or two or three, they came at five in the morning. I got desperate. The kids are waking up. Daddy, what's going on? Landlord. This thing was heightening my emotions. I was too unstable for this. I went out. I said, how dare you come to knock on my door at five in the morning? The landlord looked at me and said, man, if you don't want me knocking at five in the morning, move into your own house. It's like putting hand in fire. What? What did you say? Do what? How? I had prepared rent for six months. He didn't go away with a coin. By afternoon, my house was going up. Within two weeks, the roof was on. Within one month, I was handing keys over. I was desperate. How do you tell me you're going to knock at six in the, at five in the morning to collect rent at five in the morning? You're working me up. I'm too unstable for this. Don't be knocking at my house at five in the morning. I know it's yours, but don't be knocking at five in the morning. I fired my landlord in one month. And I fired him graciously. I called him and said, uh, I took the advice you gave me. I want you to collect your house keys. He says, what? You can't move out of the house. I said, no, that's not what you said at five in the morning. You told me to move out of your house if I don't need you knocking. 
But you have a contract. I said you should have remembered that I have a contract at five in the morning. The contract does not say you come knocking my door at five in the morning. No. No, 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 no. The guy went to the police. The police called me. You're, you're not honoring contract. I said, forget that contract, man. Forget him. Tell him. The next tenant he gets, you should not knock at five in the morning. And give him crazy ideas of build your own house. Huh? You need to get worked up. You're, you're too stable. You're, you're too stable. You're emotionally stable. You're financially stable. You're too stable for a breakthrough. You need to get worked up. Huh? You need to get worked up and get get worked up and hyped up. Huh? I hired all kinds of people doing all kinds of things. And when I tell you one month, I'm dead serious. In one month, I'd fired the landlord. Fired. For many years, we were renting the church property. And then I began to get desperate. I first began to fight with the accountants and the pastors. I began with the accountant. Every time he brings me a check to sign to pay rent, they would be in trouble. Because I'd ask them a million questions. Even though I'm the one who signed the lease. The accountant stopped coming. Started sending the pastor. Pastor Ron would come. He would prepare. and He, he told me afterwards he would first prepare and, and pray and fast to bring me a check to sign. Because every time I'm signing a check for $12,000, it makes me mad. Makes me mad. Makes me desperate. That last time, he refused to bring the check because he knew what was coming. And the landlord kept asking for his check. I said, I'm going to take it. I took it, asked for the landlord, asked for his accountant. And I just, I just threw a fit. And I was not blaming them. I was just mad. I went and told them, I'm so unhappy to be giving you all this money. And he said, why? I said, because all this money and after every six months you need another check. I'm so unhappy. And this went on. And he, he was an Indian man and then I told him, this is the last check I'm giving you. Desperate. Don't, don't be humble. We know you're humble. It's not about you. We know you're humble. You're a good, you're a good lady. We know. We, that's why we love you. But, but you need to, to, to get worked up a bit. We, it's nothing personal. We know you're a good man. You're very understanding. Even your wife knows you're very understanding. Even God knows you're very, very understanding. Your in-laws, especially your in-laws, they know you're a good man. But there are times you need to forget you're too good. You're too good. You're too good to, 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 for, for what God has in store for you. You need to get desperate. I took this check, looked at this landlord and told him, I'm not giving you another check. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm never giving you any other check again, ever. He looked at me, Indian old man, and he said, I don't understand, Bishop. What have we done wrong? I said, it's not about you, but I'm tired of giving you money. Huh? Have you ever been... Have you ever been fed up of something? The things that you're not fed up with, you keep tolerating. The things you've had enough of, you, you, you say enough is enough. That's what he says. In the day that you will get tired, his yoke shall be broken from off your neck. In the day that you get desperate and tired, 
and you can't take another. You can't take another day. You can't take another week. Huh? If you are not desperate, you keep on keeping on. You keep on keeping on. When you are desperate, it ends there. It ends right there when you are desperate. After paying that last check, I told God, I prayed, I said, God, <laughs> God is so funny. I said, God, I'm not paying another check. I don't care whether you bring a lot of money or whatever. I'm not giving another check. God laughed at me. I just had the Lord laughing. When the Lord laughed, I told him, I'm not paying another check. If it means closing the church, I'm going to close the church. And God laughed again. After five minutes, God told me, close the church. I said, how? God, I was only joking. Are you serious? And he told me, you have two weeks. It's, it's, it's true. He said, you have two weeks. And then he said, if you don't close it, I'm going to close it. I said, God, how do you close church? He said, you close it. If you don't close it, I am going to close it. I called the pastors. I said, we're closing the church. They say, why? I said, God say we close the church. Pastor Ron remembered. He said, it's that check, isn't it? I said, it started from the check. <laughs> but we are closing. And then people were dilly-dallying and explaining and all this. And then I said, if we don't close it, God is going to close it. So we started to close the church. After two weeks, exactly 14 days, the president of Uganda got up and said, I've closed all churches in this country. No church will open again in the name of COVID lockdown. And the churches were closed for eight months. The landlord called me. He says, all this time you didn't tell me you work for State House. All the pastors in the city started to call because we were right in the city and everyone knew. So when they had news that we, are, we have closed the church, we are closing the church, the word gets around very quick. Yeah. Very, very quick. They all began to respect me. People respect me for bad reasons. I, I, don't, I don't work for State House. But by the time God tells me he's going to close it, if I don't close it, I better listen. All the churches in Kampala, you guys didn't have lockdown, but all the churches in Kampala were locked down. Fast for eight months. They opened up for about a few, maybe a month or two, and locked them down again for, I think, another eight months. We had lockdowns in Kampala for, for about two years. Yeah, during the COVID lockdowns, we had lockdowns for about two years. Huh? What am I saying? We must be desperate. If you're not desperate, there are certain things you don't access. There are certain things you don't get into. There are certain realms you don't get into. If you're not desperate, I'll never forget when I, when I, when I stopped using the matatu. Back, back, back in the day. Back in the day. I was called for a mission and, um, and um, I went to jump onto this bus to go for the mission many, many years ago. When I went into the bus, I sat in there. There was a lady this side who had a baby and they were eating eggs and nuts. And then the brother this side had no idea what a deodorant was. 
it was not a common gift. I sat and waited. I'm a humble man of God. Suddenly, the lady this side decided to add tea in the mayai. And then the baby decided he was full and decided to bring back the balance in the car. You know the change? They brought back the change. <laughs> I said, God, I'm going to preach your gospel. This is not happening. This is not happening. The journey hadn't even started. I complained and said, guys, you better behave yourself. The taxi, the, the, the bus guy laughed and said, man, if you don't want monkey business, get your own. I said, stop. I'm coming out. That's a good word. I'm getting my own. I called back the church. I said, I'm not coming. I don't do taxi, bus anymore. Not in a bad way. I'm not coming. And I said, I'll be there in a month's time. God will have provided. Within two weeks, I had brand new car parked outside. Hallelujah. If you're not desperate, if you're understanding, you keep understanding the devil from here to hell. You'll be understanding. If you are accommodating, you keep accommodating, you keep accommodating, you keep accommodating the things that you shouldn't accommodate. There are things that you should not accommodate. You should accommodate them at a certain level in the lifespan of that level and in that grace and then get to a place where you're desperate and you don't accommodate them. Huh? Because when you don't accommodate them and you become desperate, you, something just breaks in the heavens. Something just brisk, break, bursts open in the heavens. When you're desperate, something just, just it, it can't hold on. But when you're understanding, you're always forgiving, you're, you're understanding, you extend grace, you find that you're in that same perpetual cycle. Hallelujah. Pressing prayer is desperate. You can tell when people are praying. Don't get near them. You might be caught in the crossfire. When they are desperate, don't be near them unless you're agreeing with them. You might be caught in the crossfire. They pray like they're dying. If you cross their path, you might find yourself collateral damage. Huh? Desperate prayers. Lord, those who don't support me, before you know it, you're taken in that prayer. Those who are laughing at me, you're not laughing. We're not laughing. Huh? Pressing prayers are desperate. I don't know if there are things that you're tired of. Are you? Are there something you're tired of? Completely tired of? Or you're just tired, you're not yet desperate. Are, is there something you're not just tired of, you've become angry? Desperation has a tendency of anger. It has a, it has a tendency of rage. Some people are, 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 are a bit tired, but then they don't have rage. There's nothing raging. There's nothing humming. Desperation has rage. Not rages. Ask the woman with the issue of blood. She had rage. They tried to keep her away. She was just breaking through. Meanwhile, she was a sick, frail woman, but she was breaking through with rage. They couldn't keep her away. That woman who was compared to the dog, she had rage. She had such rage. She even confronted Jesus. She's the only one in the scriptures correcting Jesus. Others teach Jesus, but correcting, she's the only one. 
she corrects him and says, Master, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. That, that was rage. Huh? That was rage. She's raging. Yeah. When you have rage, you look like you look like don't cross, don't cross. Behave you. Mm. You might be caught anytime you might be caught in the crossfire. When you have rage, you remember Bishop Fred's rage look? He has that rage look. He looks, he's a very organized man, but when the rage comes on him, even the chickens know they don't cross. <laughs> even the dogs know. They just look. When, when he has that rage, huh? you can see the rage. Desperation has rage. You are, you are. <sighs> huh? That's the kind of pressing prayer. It is infused with rage. When you don't have rage, what you're saying is that you've got discovered, you've got, um, it's okay, you, you, uh, it's okay, it's not, it's okay, you'll survive. Rage says, look, this is a place of giving. Either something's got to give, something's got to release, something's got to let go, something's got to accept, something's got to be loosed. Huh? That rage says, nothing else will do. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will make it happen. That rage says, whatever it takes, I'm willing. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. That rage says, I cannot take no for an answer. Huh? That rage says, I cannot take no for an answer. There is no option. This is not multiple option. This is what is going to happen. That's what rage says. This is what is going to happen and nothing else will be acceptable apart from this. A pressing prayer is infused with rage and that rage is visible. That's why when you're in the church and in church circles, you should be able to sniff out and discern the heightened levels of prayer. So that when someone is at the level and the dimension of rage, you don't hold them back. You bust through in Jesus' name. All right, let us stand up on our feet. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and share the message to your family and friends. Follow us on our social media at Kingstar Church.